Good morning, and peace be with you. I have some brief announcements. I'll have you look at the blue insert in your bulletin. Uh, this month, our missions donations will go to Focus on the Family. Uh, they help provide tools and guidance and biblical encouragement, which is key to helping hurting families to strengthen and also to save marriages. So um, that is who we will uh, focus on this month. Last month, I want to thank you, everybody, uh, who donated for uh, the Westminster Police Department's canine unit. And um, a special thanks go to our friend and brother, Lee. Um, he's had surgery, and so we have been lifting him up and prayers for that. He, uh, it's a knee this time, Sharon? Right hip. Okay, so he's getting his full uh, undercarriage, tie bars, and everything set up, so he'll be able to run real well. Um, but Lee um, has experience with the city of Westminster and knows enough people that he went and found out that the canine department um, has a few dogs, a couple of dogs, and so that's where the um, focus went of last month's giving and the missions. And so I want to thank Lee, even though he's not here, so you can tell him we're grateful, Sharon, uh, for the work that he put in. Now also, um, to thank you, because I think we have uh, almost $600 uh, that was given uh, for that program. And what I have heard through the grapevine, it's not, uh, not set yet, but that we will have an officer who is part of the canine unit come out and visit us during a week, uh, maybe as soon as the 17th of this month, and um, just to introduce himself and to uh, bring us an autographed picture of the dogs. I'm not sure how they do that. Maybe it's a paw print or something like that, but he's going to come and talk to us uh, and then receive the um, donation. And so I'm grateful to you uh, for your generosity in that. I'm grateful for everybody who helps uh, make this, uh, this church move smoothly with all the different things that we do. So thank you. This morning, uh, I wanted to start with this, something to think about before we get into the proclamation. And that is, um, have you ever heard of a guilt complex? Everyone had, anyone suffer from a guilt complex? Okay. Um, did you know that even people who um, don't believe in Jesus Christ have guilt? They do, you know. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about guilt. And I heard uh, J. Vernon McGee this morning talk about this, and it was very poignant. It's just really amazing how things hit at the right time. He said this, J. Vernon McGee, he said, the burden of your sins can go one of two places. The burden of your sins can go one of two places. You got any idea where they go? Well, number one, you can carry it. And that's a heavy burden. Or number two, you can give it to Jesus. You can lay it on him at the foot of his cross because that's why he came. He came to die for your sins that you may be forgiven. Hold on to that because we're going to talk about that further. This morning uh, we need to lift up uh, uh, Tim and Paula also in our prayers. He's not, they're not feeling hot. And so he came here early this morning and set everything up. And Louie, thank you for pinch hitting for us. She's a utility player, and I'm grateful for that too. So let's worship.
please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people that are rescued from the peril of everlasting death perpetual gladness and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. And this can be found on page 17. 06 in the Pew Bible, Acts 9, 1-22. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas, on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. We will read Psalm 30 responsibly. It's printed in your bulletin. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises of the Lord, you his people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. 
When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing with your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. The next reading is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, and this can be found on page 1918 in the Pew Bible. Revelation 5, 1 through 14. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne, And to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. The Gospel this morning is indeed from St. John chapter 21, and it is uh, verses 1 through 19, found on page 1687 in the Pew Bible. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. 
I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. And then he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, and he dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came took the bread, and he gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would be glorifying God. And then he said to them, Follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today's gospel tells how Jesus restored the ministry of the apostles when they all felt guilty for letting Jesus down during his trial and his crucifixion. God worked in the lives of the apostles to recreate the events that led to their first call. There is the night of fishing without a catch, the miraculous catch at Jesus' command, and then Jesus' final call to follow me. Did you catch that? 
He did it again. And in this way, Jesus teaches his disciples that they still belong to him and that he still has work for them to do. There is a very dramatic question and answer session between Jesus and Peter in the latter half of today's gospel. And Jesus paid special attention to Peter. Why? Because Peter was the one who denied Jesus in the courtyard during his trial. The problem is that you can't really get a feel for the drama of this conversation unless you know a little Greek. You see here that the Greeks had a a variety of words that get translated into English as love. There is a noble kind of love that expects nothing in return. It is a love that loves no matter what. Hold on to that. A noble kind of love that expects nothing in return, that loves no matter what. And then, well, that kind of love is called agape love. Agape. And then there is a friendly, kind of brotherly love called filial love. And these are the two loves, the different kinds of love that Jesus and Peter used in today's gospel. Did you know that? A lot of people don't. I didn't before. I just wondered why he kept asking him the same question over and over. So let's go through the question and the answer session again. But this time, I will expand the meaning of the words. Just a little so that you can get the drama of the scene. Are you ready? Ready for a little drama? Put yourself in Peter's shoes or listening to this. So the first time Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you unconditionally, nobly love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you unconditionally, nobly love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. Then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you really love me like a friend? And then Peter was grieved. Maybe he had a guilt complex. Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you really love me like a friend? And then he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you like a friend. In the English translations, it almost seems as if Jesus was more or less asking the same question three times. However, in Greek, it is clear that Jesus is asking three related but different questions. The first time, Jesus used the noble, unconditional love and then added the phrase, more than these. And then the second time, Jesus left that phrase out. And then the third time, Jesus only used the friendly, brotherly kind of love. Jesus' questions worked their way from from high to low, high expectations to low expectations. And so by the time Jesus finished with the third question, Peter was grieved because he remembered the courtyard on the night of Jesus' trial. The time that Peter denied even knowing him. Jesus knew that Peter was carrying a painful guilt 
of denial around him. It was inside of him. It was consuming. It was a guilt complex. And he knew that Peter had to confess his guilt and get rid of it. And Jesus asked one question for each time that Peter denied him. And Jesus brought Peter to the grief that he had felt that night when Peter went out and wept bitterly. It was necessary for Peter to feel his grief so that he could get rid of it. And Jesus did not leave him grief-stricken. Instead, Jesus told him, Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. And the third time, feed my sheep. And with these three phrases, Jesus told Peter that not only was he forgiven, not only was he forgiven, but Jesus was sending him to be a pastor in a church. This is a great restoration to grace. And Jesus is able to give this grace because of his great work, his perfect life that fulfilled all the law, his innocent suffering and death on the cross that made the payment we owed for our sins, and his resurrection that opens the way to heaven is for all believers. And all of these things make up Christ's great work that freely offered the grace to Peter, that freely offers grace to you and to me. This grace is so great that Peter, who denied he even knew Jesus, let alone loved him like a friend, Peter eventually became the leader of the church. And this grace is not for Peter only. You know, in our first reading, if you'll recall, Ashley read the encounter that Saul had on the road to Damascus so that he could arrest the Christians that he found there. Talk about a guy needing grace. And Jesus came to him in a great light and a great voice. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he also said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Saul also had to go through grief over his sins. Saul had to come to grips with the fact that when he persecuted the church, he was persecuting Jesus, the Son of God. And the grace that Jesus earned with his life and his suffering and his death and his resurrection, all that was for Saul, too. This time, Jesus administered his grace to Saul through his disciple Ananias. Ananias came to Saul, and he laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell off from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Jesus Christ's grace is so great that Saul, even Saul, who persecuted the church, eventually became Paul, the evangelist to the Gentiles and the author of almost half of the books of the Bible or of the New Testament. So, as I said before, this grace is not just for Peter and it's not just for Saul. It's for all people. And as the Holy Spirit works through the law, to bring us to grief over our sins, he makes us aware of our need for a Savior. The grace that Jesus earned with his life, 
the grace that he earned with his suffering, the grace that he earned with his death and resurrection comes to us just as it came to Peter, just as it came to Paul. And just as the Holy Spirit worked through Ananias to bring grace and forgiveness to Saul, so also the Holy Spirit works through the pastor to bring grace and forgiveness to you. You heard it earlier in the service. I said, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of you will taste it later as Jesus himself offers his own body and his own blood in the bread and the wine of the sacrament. The grace of Jesus Christ is very great, and it will not leave you unchanged. And all people, all people who believe in Christ Jesus have their sins forgiven and their relationship with God restored. And all believers become heirs of eternal life in heaven. The grace that Jesus Christ earned offers us forgiveness. It offers, offers us life and salvation. And the grace that Christ earned for us also changes the way we live here on earth. Peter, the denier, became the leader. Saul, the persecutor, became Paul, the evangelist. So, how will God's gift of forgiveness, life, and salvation change the way that you lead your life from this point forward here on earth? Well, consider this. The world desperately needs to hear about the grace of God. We were reminded of that need in a very tragic way this past week. Well, it, it, it seems that we are reminded of that need each and every week. We are hearing each and every week reports of senseless violence more and more. Just over Easter, there were three mass shootings. Just over Easter, there was the New York subway where 10 people were wounded. Up in Sacramento, six people were killed and 12 were wounded. And there was another thing that went on somewhere at a mall out in the parking lot in South Carolina. The list goes on and on. There are reports that there are some 140 mass shootings in the USA since the beginning of this year. The great tragedies that I just relayed to you, they join the list of other similar violent tragedies. We've got the high school at Columbine. We've got the federal building in Oklahoma. We've got all that happened on 9-11 and many, many more. And all these tragedies remind us that the world desperately needs to hear about God's grace in Jesus Christ. You see, students and teachers and workers and others who are now dead, they began their day with no knowledge whatsoever that they would meet their maker face to face before that day was over. Some of the dead were ready for that meeting and others were not. Some of the dead are enjoying the eternal joy of heaven with God, and, and others are enduring suffering that will never end. And once again, 
we are reminded that we have no real idea when we will leave this world. We are reminded that we must always be ready to meet the Lord. We are reminded that people need the grace of God right now. People need to grieve for their sins. And then hear the good news of the gospel. And what is that? Well, it's simple. It's just this, that no matter how grievous your sins are, they are forgiven for Jesus' sake. Period. For all who believe. As we confess our faith to others using God's Word, the Holy Spirit has promised to work through the Word to offer forgiveness, to offer life and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And we, like Peter and Paul, can all be vessels All of us can be vessels that God uses to bring Christ to a world that so desperately needs his grace. And as we enjoy and rejoice today in the grace that God gives us so freely and richly, may we be moved to share that grace, to share that grace with the world a community that so desperately needs to hear the good news. In the name of Jesus, amen. if you're able. Let us now confess together our faith, together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for all people 
in accordance to their needs. Lord of life, we are sustained by the spiritual food that you alone provide, and our lives depend on your powerful word. As you have gathered us here around the proclamation of your gospel, make us worthy to receive the bounty prepared for us in your Son's death and resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, you have raised your Son from the dead to the praises of all angels and saints. Give strength to our hearts and voices that we, with them, would meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and speak of the might of your awesome deeds. Lord, in your mercy, an ever-living God, you raised up Saul from among your enemies, that he would suffer for your name. Stir up all those baptized in your name and call many men to the service of your church. Sustain all who suffer for your gospel and continue to confound your enemies with your wisdom. Lord, in your mercy, gracious Lord, one generation of your saints commends your works to another. As we have received your glorious gospel, grant all fathers and mothers strong and joyful faith to declare your mighty acts to the generation to come. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, enthroned in heaven, you have ordered all the nations of the earth and have set your church among them to shepherd them unto eternal life. Hear the prayers we continually offer for our rulers, and grant them faithful and peaceful reign. Lord, in your mercy, compassionate Lord, you are glorified in the sufferings of your faithful people. Teach us to trust you through all our trials, and graciously bear up those who struggle among us, that they would know the fullness of your love. Lord, in your mercy, eternal Lord, you have prepared a feast again for us this morning of your Son's resurrection. Help us to rejoice greatly in this gift of his body and blood and to receive it to our eternal good that we, too, would rise at the last day. Lord, in your mercy, all these things, and whatever else you know that we need, please grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace responsibly at a distance so we can still wave. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things, through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, and Almighty and ever-living God. But chiefly, we are bound to praise you for your glorious resurrection of our Lord, for he is the true Passover Lamb who gave himself 
to take away our sin, and who by his death has destroyed death, and by his rising has brought us to eternal life. And so, with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us together pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so if you still have a guilty conscience, you, you weren't listening. Okay? Your sins are forgiven. All of them. Yes, even that one. Yay! Yeah, hey, amen, right? And this is a celebration. You get to taste grace. You get to taste forgiveness. You get to taste what it's like to be a child of God, to be adopted into that family, to have an inheritance, not that you earned, but that was given to you freely by what he did on that cross for you. If you believe that, then come. The table is prepared. You will be brought forward by the ushers. Oh, 
Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. Amen. What a great reminder that is. Well, that's it. You got the gospel today. It was the Holy Spirit that was moved and did the gospel to you. I pray that it comforts you. I pray that it comforts you enough that as you walk through these doors and out into the world, you won't have what the world calls a guilt complex. Why? Because the debts are paid. The debts are paid for you and for all who believe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Take heart, my friend, we'll go together this uncertain road that lies ahead. Our faithful God has always gone before us, and He will lead the way once again. Take heart, my friend, we can walk together, and if our birth Peace.